Hey, it's Latif from Radio Lab. Our goal with each episode is to make you think, how did I live this long and not know that? Radio Lab, adventures on the edge of what we think we know. Listen wherever you get podcasts. Millions will be filling out college basketball brackets today as March Madness kicks off. More about that in just a moment. The 68 teams in this year's NCAA tournament have been unveiled. Ohio State, Kansas, Pittsburgh, and for the 12th time, Duke are all the number one seeds. You're listening to The Takeaway, where you can always reach us at one eight seven seven eight my take As you just heard, we're going to be talking about brackets here real quickly. Yesterday was Sunday Selection Day. About six teams got snubbed. I'm sure they're not very happy in Colorado this morning. But we want to talk about the, the brackets themselves and the 8.4 million hours of lost worker productivity that goes into March Madness, especially for those office pools. Today we're joined by Tobias Moskowitz and John Wortham, co-authors of the book Scorecasting, the hidden influences behind how sports are played and games are won. Good morning, gentlemen. Hi there. All right. We, we want to get some, some guidelines on how to fill out your brackets. And, and, Tobias, let me start with you because, you know, I do the brackets every year. And there's certain rules. I want to give you one of my rules and, and test your response to it. For me, it's that you shouldn't go too far with your Cinderella team, your upset special. From what I've seen, usually if a team upsets, it only happens once. What do you think about that? Um, I, you know, I think that I think that's a, that's a pretty good rule. I think uh, we love to fall in love with these uh, Cinderella darlings and think they're 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 going to go all the way. And we we think back to you know uh, 1982, 1983, North Carolina State and Jim Valvano. Uh, it, it happens very very rarely, um, and it's fun to pick the the underdogs and the Cinderellas. But the truth is, um, you know, you're, you're not going to win that many pools by by doing that. The the only the only caveat to that is, uh, you know, I'm involved in a pool where we have a a specific extra bonus for picking the, the biggest upset of the tournament. That's that. That's one way to satisfy that craving to <laughs> to go after the Cinderella. But you're right. I don't think they go very far. Uh, people love to pick them, but uh, you know, you, you may get one game, but that's that's pretty much about it. All right. But this, that said, John, can you tell us who you think are are some of the the possibilities for upsets here in these brackets? Um, yeah, I mean, you, you, know, you sort of look at the draw, and as a, as a rule of thumb, sometimes these, these eight, nine games can can have a good uh, can have good upset potential. I mean, I, I don't think there was a case like last year where Butler basically came within one shot of uh, of winning the whole tournament. But there's some sleepers, some some sort of uh, you know, I mean, people like Princeton, which I think got got bumped all the way down to a 13 seed. But you know, it's tricky filling out these brackets because the teams from the big conferences tend to win the. the Higher-seeded teams tend to win, but at the same time, the way to really win these pools is to make a couple of bold uh, picks. I mean, you're not going to win your pool just just sort of going by the seeds. So this is not building a portfolio. You sort of need some variance. So it, it's this balance between you know you don't want to do anything crazy, but also you you have to have a couple of good sleeper picks to win your pool most of the time. All right, but uh, Tobias, what are the, what are some of the biggest mistakes that people make? Is it as John suggested going with just the, you know, the the top seeds all the way or is it that people get too emotional and they they choose a team because it's their hometown or their alma mater and and that's a mistake? <clears throat> Yeah, well, you know, I'll, get, I'll use myself as an example. Um, I'm a I'm a huge Purdue Boilermaker fan because I you know went to went to undergrad there, and I always pick them to go way way farther than they actually do. So there is there is an emotional element to this, and and uh, you would think you know uh, rationally you would hedge that. Maybe I'd have them losing first round because if they don't, it, it, I have a better chance of winning the pool. But uh, but then I um, you know I'll be happy if they actually uh, you know go past their seed. 
But, um, you know, the other big mistake I think people make, and this is one that's often overlooked, is people put way too much emphasis on momentum. So teams that enter the tournament hot, uh, they think, oh, you know, they're on a roll, they're going to keep going. And, and teams that enter the tournament cold, they think, okay, these guys are, are done. And the truth is there's no, there's very little evidence for momentum. And I think even the, even the NCAA— Wait, you're, you're I, killing me because I, I was yeah. going to pick Michigan <laughs> in that first round based on the momentum. Well, yeah, or I was going to say, you know, the two biggest uh, teams on momentum on either side of, uh, of that momentum are take Texas and UConn. I mean, Connecticut yeah. is on this incredible tear. Went through the Big East tournament, and everyone's talking about how you know they're going to. I was watching last night. Everybody's predicting them to go really far, possibly the Final Four, certainly the Elite Eight. And Texas, you know, they've, they've been a talented team all season, but they've really faltered at the end. Um, these are two teams that are at the opposite ends of momentum. And I would bet Texas is going to do better than most people think, and Connecticut's probably not going to do as well. Could be wrong, of course, but we see over and over again that momentum is given way too much weight. Guys, excuse me for being a bit of a buzz killer here, but we've been talking now for like four minutes, and neither of you have used the word basketball at all. I mean, are you sure we aren't talking about derivatives here? It's funny though because we're sort of using these uh, these these investing principles, and it's funny when you when you look at sort of the, the short time frame and you look at uh, you know when you're competing against other people. It's it's we we were we were writing about this recently. We said look, we're not building a 401k for the future here. You know, you've you've got to sort of do some things in the short term. But no, I mean I, I think. Uh, if you look at this strictly as a basketball exercise, it's, it's sort of like fantasy baseball. This is sort of a new, uh, a, a new component of this. That's John Wortham. We're also speaking with Tobias Moskowitz. They're co-authors of the book, Scorecasting, the Hidden Influences Behind How Sports Are Played and Games Are Won. But, you know, Tobias, let me get your reaction to John's sentiment here then. Um, do you think March Madness and, and all these brackets and all these office pools that bring a relatively short, limited amount of attention span to these college teams is that good for college basketball or is it can it be destructive in ways well i mean i i think it's net good for college basketball um this is you know this brings so much attention to the sport everybody gets excited uh for it uh, there's a sense in which it, it it could be a distraction in the sense that you know people may not pay as much attention during the regular season they sort of wait until we hit march and then people start getting really excited but i think on net uh it's it's a good thing and i on think net. um uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I didn't actually mean that as a as a pun, but uh, um, no. And I and I and I think it's uh, you know it, I, it's terrific. I think for college basketball, and I you know to be honest, I wish college football would adopt something similar. But you know, I'm I'm not the only one on that. I'm sure. All right. So we're actually you guys are going to be participating in with us in a, in a bracket uh, conversation. We're going to con- con- keep updating. We're going to have my brackets, Ibrahim Abdul Mateen brackets, your brackets online for people to check in. We're also inviting our listeners to check in. Uh, we don't need all your brackets all we want are your final four matchups from our listeners you can send ncaa to 69866 follow the prompts there your final four predictions only you have until friday to get those picks in uh but tobias and john uh tobias you first what are your final final four picks you know i'm still going back and forth on this but uh, right, decided. right yeah exactly i've been, I've been thinking about it um you know i i've been watching ohio state and kansas all year and you know i, I hate to pick all number one seeds and i'm not going to pick all number one seeds here but those two number one seeds strike me as the most consistent teams that we've seen okay. all season, and, and, I, and I think they've got favorable brackets as well. I'd love for Purdue to uh, topple Kansas, but I don't see it happening. Um, the, the, I would say in you know Duke or Texas in that region. Texas, if they if they get it together, I think is a very formidable opponent. I'm not sure that they can quite do it, but I think it's going to be one of those okay. two teams. So can I hedge there a little bit? You can hedge. <laughs> well, I'll you hedge because it's an ongoing <laughs> conversation. John, I want to go with you. Your final four picks. 
Uh, lamely, Ohio State. I like Texas, too, because the Final Four is in Houston. That's a- extra motivation. Some sleeper in one. So, say, St. John's in the southeast and, uh, uh, again, a lame top seed pick. Let's go Kansas in the southeast. All right, we just made our director, Jay, very happy with that St. John's mention. <laughs> That's Tobias Moskowitz and John Wortham. They are authors of the book Scorecasting, The Hidden Influences by How Sports Are Played and Games Are Won. Thanks, guys. Thanks. So they'll need uh, intercession from God, St. John's, well, I think, to make it to the <laughs> Final Four. But throughout the morning, we've been keeping up to date with the latest from Japan, of course. You can find out uh, resources of how to help the people of Japan by heading to our blog. That's at thetakeaway.org slash blogs. In the meantime, join the conversation. If you're from Japan, if you have connections there, do you have a story to share, call us at 877-8-MY-TAKE. I'm John Hockenberry. And I'm Celeste Headley. This is The Takeaway.